everybody, and welcome to another episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. Thad and Kara and I here today, which is why we don't have a wacky voiceover. I just have my voice, but I am joined with, by spe- with special guest, Molly. Say hello, Molly. Hello. And we are going to take a break from musicals for this month and next month. Uh, don't worry, we have another mo- couple months of that. Um, but today we're going to talk about melodramas. And specifically, bonkers melodramas. Melodramas in general are bonkers, but these three have a particular sort of bonkerness to them that I think transcend the average melodrama. (laughs) Um, The three movies we're going to be talking about are Where the Heart Is, The Book of Henry, and Collateral Beauty. Oh boy. Um, Just out of curiosity, Molly, had you seen Mm -hmm. any of these three before? I had seen uh, Collateral Beauty because uh, I was promised that it was going to be like that bonkers um, version of A Winter's Tale where Will Smith played the devil. It <laughs> it was not that. It, it, it was bonkers, but not nearly as fun. Right. Um, did I promise you that? No, no. Okay. Uh, what the people who got me to see Collateral Beauty for the first time. Okay, I was like, I did not promise you that. No, you did not. Don't okay. worry. Alright. Um, I had seen two of these. I had not seen Where the Heart Is. Um, I saw the other two in theaters. Oof. Yeah. Um, but let's start with the 2000 film Where the Heart Is, directed by Matt Williams, and starring... Natalie Portman and Ashley Judd. And Ashley Judd on the picture for this uh, movie does not look like her character in the slightest so much as they just took a picture of Ashley Judd and slapped it on the box. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I, um... Yeah, so this one was probably the least bonkers of the three, in my opinion. It's Um, not... As brazenly bonkers, it's only bonkers when you realize it takes place over a span of five years. Yes, that is the case. (laughs) I just, um, really what made this difficult was that Natalie Portman's uh, southern accent is tricky to listen to. Oh, I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Ah, I need to take a break. I got through all of Book of Henry in one shot, but I can't handle this his accent. I didn't have an issue with the accent so much. Like, I love a good bad accent. Uh, generally, I don't notice. Something about that one was just grating. Right. Um, so before we get too far along, where the heart is, is about a young girl named the Nova Lee Nation. Directed <laughs> Annis. Natalie Portman is Novali Nation, and basically what happens is her and her boyfriend, W.J. Pickens, uh, we're sorry, Willie Jack, yes, uh, decide to go to California, and she's pregnant, and then they stop off the Walmart so she can use the bathroom, and he leaves her. And what follows is this weird sort of Dickensian sort of twists and turns of how she finds friends in this small town of Sequoia, Oklahoma. And through mm-hmm. all manners of twists and fates, survives a twister, 
has a baby in a Walmart, gets married in a Walmart, the same Walmart. Is it, I don't know if it's the same Walmart. It's probably the same Walmart. It would make sense. I guess the only reason I could think of for them to get married in a Walmart would be for it to be the same one. That can't have been cheaper than getting married in a church. <laughs> well, the Walmart does love her. They offered her a job, gave her $500. That's all true. Now, we should be clear that I don't think the other two are, but this one is based on a book. So the movie has some excuses. Right. Well, and it does have, in a bizarre way, a very sort of literary feel to it. Like, this does feel like what you would read in, like, a Tom, like, a Mark Twain book. Like, it just feels like it's a road movie that never goes on the road, but, like, a lot of, like, she meets a lot of different people and a lot of things Mm -hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have a strong three-act structure either, I felt. Like, didn't really feel like there was, like, if it's a very slice-of-life movie to me. It is. And it's very, like, it tackles a bunch of heavy subjects, but mm-hmm. always in a way that, like, because the other two movies we'll talk about, they tackle heavy subjects. Oof. But this one doesn't feel as cheap. Yeah, what I'll say about this one is that so all three of these are insane, <laughs> but un- but unlike the book of Henry, I don't fear for this direct for the director of where the heart is is moral compass, <laughs> and unlike and unlike Collateral Beauty, I don't fear for the loved ones of this writer and director. <laughs> but like watching is like okay, a lot of that shit and thing happens, but the people behind it, you get a sense of, like, decent human beings. Yes, this one is, um, it is a kind of, it is a largely wholesome form of crazy. Yeah, well, and, like, it's almost as if, like, it's a Hallmark movie that realizes it's a Hallmark movie and just embraces it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so... We saw this big studio, we here at Big Studio got a Hallmark movie, so, um... Everyone keep an eye out for that sci-fi thriller Hallmark's making. Uh, we gotta do this now, though. We, we, they said no taxis back. <laughs> um, it is based on a book by Billy Letts called Where the Heart Is. Mm-hmm. And what's really striking is sort of like, not so much that how much happens to her in the five years, because she goes through... A radical change. She goes from being barefoot, literally, and mm-hmm. pregnant, living in a Walmart, to staying with a person who misidentifies her as someone else. Mm-hmm. And then when they meet a second time, it's like, oh my god, you don't look at all like Ruthann. How could I have mistaken you for that? Well, come on, then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sister husband. Sister husband? Oh my god, the names in... Normally, in a movie like this, the names like this would drive me insane. But it's rural Oklahoma. It's rural Oklahoma, and like I said, there's a sort of like a literary feel to the movie. And the movie mm-hmm. sort of like... It points out how odd the names are, because when she introduces herself as Novali Nation, people go, mm-hmm. that's a weird name. Mm-hmm. Will say something yeah. like, oh, that I tried watching Sinister a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get, like, 15 minutes into it. And when the main character introduced himself as Allison 
Coswath or whatever? I was like, no, no, I'm done. <laughs> uh, it reminds me in an odd way of, uh, have you ever watched the show iZombie? I know of it. I've never watched it, even though I loved Veronica Mars. Well, um, the uh, main character, she is a zombie. Right. Her name is Olivia, but she prefers to be called Liv. Mm-hmm. And her last name is Moore. Liv Moore the zombie. <laughs> her boyfriend, who is a big, strapping white boy, uh, is named Major Lily White. <laughs> And they, the show makes jokes about it. Like, it's a very, it's similar to this, I think, in that you, like, okay, we're going to have some fun, weird names, and we're just going to live with it. We're going to work with it. Uh, the villain, who is a, who is a former frat boy, he's, his name is Blaine De Beers. <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. So, in, um... And where the heart is, Novali names her daughter Americus because <laughs> she was told to name the kids something important and meaningful. She was told that, by the way, by Moses Whitecotton. <laughs> A black guy. Uh, Keith David. Keith David is amazing. Yes, I love Keith David. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to see Keith David in like just like in a down-home movie. Indeed. Kind of weird to see him in live action, too, now that I think about it. Oh, then you need to get me to bone up and keep David. <laughs> uh, but, yes, Ashley Judd plays... Oh, God, what was her name? Libby. So, Lexi Ooh. Coop. Yes. Probably Lexi. the most... Next to Joan Cusack, Ruth Myers, the most sane name of the bunch. Most sane name, yes. Uh, <laughs> I was worried you were about to say the most sane character. No, we we're going to have to have a discussion about that. <laughs> but at the same time, I do, I do love Lexi because she just. She, I've known a few Lexies in my time. I don't blame her or anything. Uh, I, I blame her for naming her kids after snack foods. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean her behavior is aside from that fine. I just, she is not the most sane character in this story, so I just wanted to make sure. Well, I also do love that, like, unlike the other two movies, bizarrely, where the heart is doesn't blame its women. No, Anything no. that happens to them. And in fact, goes out of its way to show you the trials and tribulations of the jackass who left it at Walmart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I have mixed feelings about, because on the one hand, it's kind of cathartic. Yeah. But on the other hand, like I feel, I feel like after he got pulled over and thrown in jail for for uh, robbing a store and kissing a fourteen year old girl, I I, I was kind of done with the character. Like, <laughs> like it especially, it just felt like okay. Now we're just now we're just taking plot details. Now you just made a contract with the guy playing this. <laughs> And that guy has a life. He does, and like <laughs> it, it would be a movie of its own. It, it's um, it 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 is the beginning to that um, oh, what was that? Uh, oh, now I'm forgetting the actors. Uh, what was that? Jeff Bridges and 
Uh, Crazy movie Heart. Where, yes, it, it's the begin. It's the setup to Crazy Heart. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I really enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would, and honestly, I don't know if it pales well with the other two because it actually succeeds in what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's yeah. aware of what it's like. It seems aware of what it's doing in a way the other two don't. Mm-hmm. I will say I don't think I will remember it as well as Collateral Beauty. But <laughs> unlike, uh, but I have no desire to uh, punch you for making me watch it the way I do Book <laughs> of Henry. So <laughs> Now, now. Save the violence for the alt-right. Um, Oof. But yeah, no, this is a, also... One thing all three of these movies have, it's just a weird cast. Because what the heart is, not, it starred Natalie Portman and Ashley Judd. Mm-hmm. Starker Channing, who was awesome. Joan Cusack. Uh, Keith David. Sally Field as her mother. Mm-hmm. Angie Hughes. Like, this is... Like, a really interesting cast in terms of what the movie is. And at the same time, it's like... This... Keith David's the only one who doesn't feel quite right. Well, that's only because they don't really have much to do with Moses Cottonwood. So, uh-huh. so, sorry. Moses White Cotton. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And yes, Mr. Sprock as Sister Husband's close friend. <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll call it. <laughs> but like, it's I enjoyed this movie to a degree that it's it's almost 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 like a testament to like yeah, a lot happens, and sometimes you just have to roll with it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your weird, unlucky number fixation turns out to be right. <laughs> well, and what I like is. They don't attribute that, like, she's not obsessed with the five and everything. Because surely mm-hmm. the month of May would be a month of sheer hell for her. But they don't dwell on that. And sometimes bad things happen, even when it has nothing to do with the number five. True. I, I'm, I'm sure she spends May 5th, especially on 2005, right. somewhere. No. <laughs> but even then... On that, on her daughter's first birthday is when she realizes that she loves Forney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. The fact that they managed to save Forney so many times with a straight face. It's very impressive, I agree. Forney is played by James Wayne. He is the librarian who is taking care of his mentally ill sister in the upstairs of the library. Mm-hmm. And he is, quote unquote, a genius. He who shows helps... it in a... I was just going to say he shows his genius in a very Big Bang Theory way. <laughs> he does. Like, when you when they first introduce him, I'm like, this guy's a dick. Are we going to spend too much time with him? Oh, God, we are. Okay, he's actually the most decent person that she's ever known. Mm-hmm. And that's something, at least. This movie has a weird life because it was kind of popular when it came out. Mm. Directed by Matt Williams, it had a budget of forty million. So had a budget of fifteen million, made forty million. 
And it's one of those things where, like, if it came out in 2000, and if you were a teenager at that time, I'm discovering there's a bit of a groundswell of people who love this movie. Uh, I was six when this came out. Right. But this is a movie we don't make much anymore because it's it's called a mid-budget drama. It's not that expensive to make. It has a lot of names. And a lot happens in it, but not a lot happens in it. Like, yeah. not a set piece. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, you know, I can't... I'm not super upset that we don't make these anymore. Like, this wasn't bad. But I don't mind having movie... I, I kind of missed... I don't know. Like, I, I liked, actually do mind because I like a movie that I don't have to know 50 years of backstory to see. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. I just... Sometimes I like a plot, and sometimes I'm okay with just chilling with the characters. Right. And in this case, I think I would have liked a bit of a plot. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the next one. 2016. Has it really been that long? Like, was it really that long? I, it feels like... 2016 doesn't feel that long ago, and yet... It feels like forever. Mm-hmm. All right, so Collateral Beauty, 2016, directed by David Franco, written by Alan Loeb, who wrote and directed, as you mentioned, uh, Winter's Tale, in which Will Smith plays the devil. Mm-hmm. And I guess in, in exchange for that, he said, I'll put you in this next movie. Uh-huh. Alan Loeb is a man who writes movies like Collateral Beauty. It's the best way I can say this. Because he also wrote and directed The Space Between Us, which mm-hmm. is that Gary Oldman movie about a boy who was born on Mars. And right. when he comes yeah. back to Earth, his bone structure can't handle it. But he has to meet this woman he's been secretly chatting with while on Mars. Uh-huh. And he also wrote The Only Living Boy in New York, which I also didn't, I have not had a chance to see. Um, but it's directed by Mark Webb. I like Mark Pitt. Webb. <laughs> but it's directed by Alan Loeb. Alan Loeb has a way of taking something truly bizarre and making it mediocre. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Winter's Tale, I would not call mediocre in any sense of the word. I, I don't know even that I'd call Collateral Beauty mediocre. It's not good. Well, okay, this is what um, I mean. It's bad, but it's not bad in any way. That's kind of, like I sat through Collateral Beauty in the theaters, and I needed a drink to make it through because the bug nuttiness doesn't really start until like the last act. Uh huh. Well, I, I don't know about that. I um. Of the three, I'd say that from like a purely technical standpoint, this is probably the most competent. Oh yeah, of the bunch. Like it, not like um, it feels like I'm watching the same movie the whole way through. Whereas Book of Henry switches <laughs> at least twice. Right. Um, and it just. And the acting is 
frankly good. Like everyone is doing their best. Kira Knightley it's... has a monologue that she knocks out of the park. Oh yeah, Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley's the best in this movie. <laughs> I'm Kira Knightley's just the best, but she's real good in this movie. Um. So, unlike where the heart is, Collateral Beauty has a very specific story. And I want you to understand, I'm going to make it sound more entertaining than it is. His daughter dies of brain cancer, and so this sends Will Smith's character into a tailspin. Mm-hmm. His, uh, and Will Smith's character, Howard, he is... Uh, what company it was? I forget the company. Is it an advertising company? I believe that's what it was. I'm okay. fairly certain. Because they never really go into... Details us about what exactly the company does. No, just that it used to make money, and without Howard, it doesn't. Right, and but Howard still shows up to work. He just isn't doing anything. Uh-huh. And his partner's Wit, played by Edward Norton, and Claire, played by Kate Winslet, and the always awesome Simon Michael Pena. Mm-hmm. Um... They like, well, we need we need to, to get this company out of Howard's grasp because he has a controlling share. If only there was some way to just buy him out. But he won't sell. I know. What if we hire a private eye to follow him? And see if we can't come up with something. And so the private eye, played by Ann Dowd of all people, discovers that Howard has been writing letters to three abstract ideas, time, love, and death, and having these one-way dialogues with them about his grief and emotional turmoil over the death of his daughter. Mm-hmm. So Edward Norton's wit has this idea of why don't we hire three actors to play time, love, and death? videotape them interacting with Howard and then digitally remove them from the videotape so then we can show this tape to the board of trustees and then show them oh look how emotionally unfit he is to be the controlling shareholder now Mm -hmm. I want you to understand I'm not done (laughs) (laughs) there's a woman that Howard has been talking to that he meets at a support group. A woman that he's never met before. <laughs> that woman, as we will soon find out at the end, is Howard's wife. Yes. Do we and want I'm to not... explain this, or do we want to wait to finish? We'll, we'll talk about everything, and then we'll talk about the actual twist of the twist. Yes. So, leaving aside the fact that Howard is has the worst friends. Yes, they're just they're terrible people. What did you like? Did you enjoy this as much as Winter's Tale, which had a no. gazebo that cures cancer and a flying Pegasus? No, no, a Winter's Tale <laughs> is much more overtly insane. And as such, winds up being much more enjoyable. This one, probably better quality of acting, 
but uh, but not nearly insane enough to justify the insanity that does happen. Well, okay, see, my issue with Collateral Beauty was it's 97 minutes. And for all the insanity that happens, it doesn't seem as aware as it did in Winter's Tale, nor does it seem as aware as where the heart is. And so for me, that's what caused the movie to drag, because I'm like, you guys are playing this almost too straight. Well, I think that's in part because it's not an adaptation of anything, as far as I'm aware. Right. Where, like, A Winter's Tale is a Shakespeare thing, and Where the Heart Is was a book, and so they they knew, walked in adapting something that they probably was aware was at least a little goofy. Right. Whereas he probably thought he was writing something great and artful when he wrote Collateral Beauty. <laughs> well, anytime you have characters pretending to be and interacting with abstract ideas such as love, death, and time, mm-hmm. that's going to you're going that's going to be a sense of like I have written something monumental. Just once, I want love to be a guy. <laughs> you're. <laughs> And Kiara Knightley would have been a good death. She would have. Because, as we're about to explain to you, it turns out they are, in fact, not abstract ideas, but the actual embodiments of love, death, and time. Yes, they just so happened to hire the actual uh, uh, representations of love, death, and time to pretend to play love, death, and time. Because what they did was they they found a desperate, struggling troupe of actors, played by Helen yeah. Mirren, um, Keira Knightley, and Jacob Lattimore. The problem is that means that Love, Death, and Time took these forms, conned them into hiring them. By the way, they charged them like fifteen thousand apiece, if I remember correctly. What do they need with the money, anyways? Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, they haggled. And yes. then it's revealed that they are actually these things. Lattimore asks to meet Winsless character, and the, as she says, the bad part of town, to pick up his part of the money. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, the... I'm guessing uh, that's supposed to be some sort of karma. Like, <laughs> hey, y'all are being dicks, so you're, we're going to take your money even though we don't need it. Well, she's the only one that gets conned. Michael Pena gets told he has cancer. <laughs> and Edward Norton's like, man, love was awesome. Gotta go. Yeah, like, like and that's the other thing. So, like, okay, so Michael, Edward Norton, he does need... Like, he does get to reconnect with his daughter, so reconnecting with a child is kind of a thing. But Kate Winslet's thing is time being like, hey, you're still young enough to pop out babies. Good for you. You are not out of waste of a woman. And it's like, oh, that's, uh, that's gross. Now I, now, now I'm glad, now I know why Kira Knightley isn't time. She he would have punched something. <laughs> uh, the thing about Collateral Beauty is the fact that, like... Okay, so we mentioned the fact that Naomi Harris 
plays this woman that he doesn't know that turns out to be his wife. Mm-hmm. And he keeps meeting her, and he's like, hey, I feel like I know you. And then she goes, oh, but you do. And I'm like, oh, God, what? Sitting in the theater, and this is when I started cackling. Because I was like, there's no way they're going to play this card. And then he takes her inside her he takes She takes him inside her house. And he sees pictures of his daughter. And he sees pictures of him with his daughter. And then he sees pictures of him with his daughter with this strange woman who turns out to be his wife. And I was like, this cannot be happening. Yes, apparently he felt that the best way for them to cope with the grief of their of losing their child was to separate <laughs> for three years. <laughs> and after three years, meet each other again and pretend to be strangers for a few days or weeks or whatever. And then... And then eventually just abandon the whole pretense. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Um, I feel like his wife should have gone to the share, to the company at that point. Right. Like that is a way better proof that this guy is not mentally handling his trauma well. You know, well, frankly, I feel like the spending all day, every day, just setting up dominoes <laughs> would have been... A good sign. Well, like, here's the thing. Like, there was so many, A, cheaper options, B, decent, humane options, than going out to hire, finding a, a troop of struggling actors of, hey, you want to help us set up a good friend of ours so we can steal his company? I mean, to be vaguely fair, <laughs> the three did actually provide good therapy for Will Smith, but... They didn't yeah. try to do that, because they then took all of that no. to digitally erase them, to go to the Dr. Evil boardroom they had, to play the film with Smith watching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, I guess they were, I said, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I think Kate Winslet was saying that they would use this to shock Howard and to calm him down, but it's still gaslighting. <laughs> it's. Not only that, but do you know how much it costs to digitally erase something? Especially since none of them, like, especially when they were all on busy New York sidewalks. <laughs> and there's no green screen and they're not wearing, they're not even wearing solid colors. Yeah. At one point, Keira Knightley has a scarf that's flapping around <laughs> and a big coat that's flapping around independently of the scarf. So I'm frankly just that. I, I want to know how much they had to pay for the editor. Like, it, like, probably about as much as they had to pay for the actors. All they had to do was take footage of him doing the dominoes and then bring in Howard in front of the board and go, hold on, we want to bring in someone else. Bring in Naomi Harris and go, hey, Howard, who was that? And go, I have no idea. Ta-da! Mm-hmm. Or just have Naomi Harris come in independently of Howard right. and explain what he's doing. There were cheaper, easier, more humane options, but then we wouldn't have gotten death, time, and love, conning three people of varying moral compasses. Also, Helen Mirren's death, of course, 
it's revealed that she talked to Naomi Harris's character as her daughter Lee dying. And uh-huh. also reveals to Michael Pena that, yes, I'm here for you. <laughs> Which has yeah, got to be a disturbing moment in your life. Well, here's the thing, like, apparently he's dying. Hasn't even told his wife and kids. <laughs> now, admittedly, even Will Smith knew he was dying, so maybe they've just been humoring him when not, he doesn't tell them. <laughs> like, maybe there's, like, you know how in comedies there's usually a betting pool about when the two who hate each other will get over it and kiss? Right. There's probably a betting pool over, okay, when is Michael Pena going to admit he's dead? He's dying. <laughs> now, folks, if it feels like we've gone all over the place with Collateral Beauty, understand it's, that's the only way to go. There's no straightforwardness. Because every, especially by the, like, the last 30 minutes, every scene is an unraveling of, oh, 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 but there's new information. This might have been helpful and pertinent to know before. But what a twist! <laughs> <sighs> this like... is also when we can we start to realize maybe calling something a twist and using it doesn't justify having a twist. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, no. No, I, I was going to try and defend something. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't piss me off as much as GOT season eight. That's about the nicest I'm going to get. All right. Well, I never put myself the Game of Thrones, so blissfully unaware. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, Collateral Beauty is batshit insane. But, and I mean this, it is not as batshit insane. As 2017, Colin Tovaro's majestically awful The Book of Henry. Which is I a movie know who... that I watched with my jaw open throughout most of it, looking around at the other five people in the theater going, Oh my god, are you here with me or is this a fever dream? <laughs> I want to know how Colin Trevorrow got this job because <laughs> I have finding out that that's who directed the book of Henry like it made it like before I actually sat down when I just knew like the trailer and the basic concept and had read the back of the DVD box which doesn't that, do it justice no but which tries to present it in a sane and reasonable way <laughs> um, finding out that he, that the guy who, be, who did the first Jurassic World, the guy whose idea was, let's take Jurassic Park and mix it with Steven Seagal, like that's <laughs> that's his tone, had done this domestic drama thing. Heart Steven Seagal thing. or Steven Spielberg? Seagal. Like, uh, Jurassic World feels like you took Jurassic Park... And then put it in a blender with 90s Steven Seagal films. Yeah, okay. Just wanted to clarify. I was like, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. And so finding that out was about as baffling as finding out that Eli Roth had done a cutesy childish kids film starring Jack Black. And it's the best movie he's done. Who? Eli Roth, I'm hoping? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I hate Eli Roth, but uh, that 
that uh, the house with a clock in the walls is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that's good, and they're like, oh hey, you left at this. Why aren't you making these movies? I I'm very confused because like there was a sense of empathy and kindness and joy in the house <laughs> in that movie, and I didn't know Eli Roth could feel those things. <laughs> Neither did I. But now but, back to yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, what were you getting ready to say? I was just going to go like at Colin Trevorrow. I did not work out as good for him switching genres. <laughs> well, okay, so. The Book of Henry, the way I describe it, is it's if Tommy Wiseau learned how to make a movie, but not still still being Tommy Wiseau and not understanding how people are. Mm-hmm. Because Book of Henry probably looks the best out of all three of them. From a pure yeah. technical standpoint, it's the glossy and shiniest. I ain't glossy and shiniest. I'd, I'd say Collateral Beauty looked the best. It was the most... Like maybe it's just because everything else, but Collateral Beauty feels the more competent to me. I think Collateral Beauty has the best actors. That's and true. They, they go a long way in selling the sheer absurdity of Collateral Beauty, uh-huh. whereas Book of Henry had Amy Watts, who I adore, and she's trying. God bless her soul. And it uh, has. Sarah Silverman. Which is an entirely different for... subplot that I. <laughs> Why get Sarah Silverman in your movie and have her disappear off the face of the earth after the first act? Uh... Okay, so the Book of Henry is about a young child prodigy played by Jaden Liebenhauer who. Mm-hmm is one of the most irritating, self-righteous, obnoxious child geniuses we've had outside of Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Much like Big Bang Theory, the Book of Henry doesn't understand how intelligence works. It makes the assumption that since Henry is smart, he is smart in everything. Mm-hmm. It also... I have rarely wanted to strangle a character as much as I've wanted to strangle Henry. Be- I didn't feel quite that angry at him, but I, I get the impulse. Well, because in the beginning of the movie you have this kid, like a nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid, saying he wants to grow up to be a dodgeball champion. The dodgeball champion yeah. of the world. Olympics. And, Olympics, yeah. And Henry just goes to town on him and basically calls him an idiot. I'm like, dude... Calm yourself. Let the kid have it. Admittedly, that is an odd thing for a nine-year-old to not know. That feels like a kindergarten dream, which right. is kind of part of the problem with Book of Henry. Well, at the same time, the scene after it, it's like, why are you even in this school? It's like, for my social development. It's like, no, I just saw the fact that you're unable to let someone have a thing. So, mm-hmm. odd, so, so. obviously, the social development is not working. Could have just said, for my little brother, who I have an odd relationship with. Right, who I'm looking out for, and who is getting bullied and no one seems to be doing anything about. (laughs) This school is so weird. (laughs) I'm going to say a line now that only makes sense if you've seen Book of Henry. God damn it, Janice! (laughs) 
Do we want to explain that, or do we want to explain the plot first? Well, we're going to try to explain the plot first, but when we'll get to goddammit. <laughs> I have no idea what context that scene takes place in. It's okay, this is another the... point about Book of Henry. It's kind of like The Guest, which is brilliant, by the way. But the Book of Henry, like The Guest, changes genres almost with every scene. But unlike The Guest, it's not nearly as genius and as beautiful. And it stitches more, as I stated before, and I mean this, majestically awful. Yeah, and I have no sense of time passing in this movie. <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to goddammit, Janice, but um, let's just continue. Okay, do you want to try and explain The Book of Henry since I explained the other two? Sure. Okay. So um, we have this genius, um, Henry. He has a little brother, Peter, who is average. And he has a mother, uh, played by Naomi Watts, right? Yes. Uh, what's her name? I'm forgetting now. Naomi Watts' character's name? Yes. Um, that is, because they don't really say his, her name that much. No. Susan. Susan. So, and then he has Susan, who is presented as an irresponsible, lazy, slacking mother, but it's never, like, let me rephrase that. She, we are told that she has these things, but the, but what we are shown is not that. She's just likes video games and isn't as smart as Henry and is therefore a bad mom. And so, and then they have a neighbor who's a bit of a dick, but a cop, and his daughter? I think it could be niece. She's, um, she's at once very important to the plot, not important at all. <laughs> um, is she his daughter or his niece? Daughter. Daughter. Okay. So daughter, yeah. So, who's has a name, I'm sure, but barely comes up. I, which is weird considering the plot. Anyways, um, for the first third of the movie, it is this very schmaltzy, lighthearted thing. Um, just going through slice of life stuff with Henry, kind of like uh, the strange case of Timothy Green. Okay. Um, and then it just sort of. Takes a hard right turn. <laughs> um, because um, Henry notices that uh, neighbor Glenn is abusing his daughter. She, he sees it through the window. And he begins attempting to solve this in rational ways. Uh, contacting the school... Uh, contacting CPS, but it turns out that the local CPS is his neighbor's brother, so that doesn't work out. Uh, And distressingly quickly, Henry decides murder is the only solution. (laughs) Uh, Like, he tries two things and then goes straight to murder, which uh, rather makes this feel more like he is less trying to save this girl and more trying to justify his homicidal impulses. <laughs> um, Considering what we see of Henry, I would not be shocked to find out that he might be a psychopath. No, it, it would fit. Um, and uh, so he starts baking up this plan 
on how to um, kill get, uh, kill the neighbor and do it in a way that no one will get uh, will suspect him. <laughs> um, which, when we see the plan, is actually a remarkably terrible plan considering <laughs> how smart he is supposed to be. And for like, how well he's planned it out, I'm like, this is one of the worst. As a student of Columbo and Murder, she wrote, step up your game, sir. Like, their plan is to put him in the creek in their, behind their house and let it maybe float away. The creek does not look deep or fast enough to yeah. send a, a body. But even if it does, they they somehow think that no one is going to figure out where the body came from. She's, or yeah, the, the mother that... needs to pull off a sniper shot in such a degree and have the aim and have it be in such a degree that the body falls a certain way and thus be carried away by the currents of the, as you said, creek. Which if anyone who's ever had a creek knows, currents aren't taking anything over a leaf. Especially not a very large man. Played by Dean Norris from Baking Bad. That big guy. That's the thing the creek's going to carry. Yes. Which, you know, that ain't happening. (laughs) But, um... So, what happens then is that, um... So, Henry makes this whole plan. He, um... He finds out that there's small, sleepy town... As a random crime lord, and if you say his name, <laughs> they'll let you buy a gun without any of the paperwork. <laughs> Though, um, I don't, Henry, I don't know how Henry planned on carrying this out himself, <laughs> unless this crime lord has a habit of using child soldiers. Not only this that, but a... how did he find out about the, t- the crime lord? Oh, he hid behind a rack when oh, the... Oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. I forgot. So much happens in this movie, folks. So yes. much happens. Yes. So he finds out, out about that because the crime lord's goons are not subtle. <laughs> um, though, to be fair, I don't know how a town this size supports a crime lord, but you know. <laughs> I sm- this town, by the way, like basically like a t- uh, out of something like out of Stephen King. It's a small New England town. It has a yeah. payphone in the schoolyard for crying out loud. Derry is probably bigger than this. <laughs> Derry um, is probably bigger. And anyway, um, he, um, and then, uh, oh, we should note that with the payphone that Henry is apparently somehow trading on the stock market because he's which- a genius. That's what I geniuses feel like do. isn't actively legal until you're 18. I feel like there's some sort of finance law on that. I'm but, sure there uh, is. At the same time, um, I would also be shocked to find out there isn't. That's true. So, <laughs> um, anyways, Henry, um, so that's what he uses the payphone for mostly, to uh, make stock uh, things. And then it turns out that Henry is dying. He has a tumor. And is so and he is also so intelligent that he can diagnose himself so well that it leaves his surgeon stunned. His surgeon, by the way, played by Lee Pace. Yes, who is apparently attractive and as such becomes Naomi Watts' questionably what love interest? I'm sorry, I, I love the phrase apparently attractive. 
gay. I'm not attracted to men. I don't no, no. know. I no, I just love the apparently he's attractive. Whatever. I don't like. There are men I know are attractive because I hear enough gushing about them. Okay. I don't hear enough about Lee Pace to know for certain because, like, for all I like, because I I would not be shocked if Colin Trevorrow put in someone who looked like Tommy Wiseau as his hottie. <laughs> like, I would not be surprised if Colin Trevorrow has a very strange idea of attractiveness. I wouldn't and be. Like, I mean, admittedly, he picked Chris Pratt, and I know Chris Pratt's supposed to be attractive. So maybe he does, but I don't know. <laughs> um, regardless, um, Henry's dying. <laughs> um, he does die eventually. <laughs> um, after receiving a creepy on the lips kiss from Sarah Silverman. Which he also which- quite correctly diagnoses that we have this weird pseudo-sexual relationship. It's called sus and such, and I shivered. Uh-huh. I'm... Hope... And if that was... If Sarah Silverman had more of a role in this movie, but didn't read the script... But didn't care enough to read the script ahead of time, <laughs> I would not be shocked if that that's why she disappears, because she writes like, well, okay... <laughs> I can't get out of this scene, but I'm not. But I quit. Well, not only that, but she doesn't serve. Like she hardly serves a purpose as is. But no, even at once Henry's is... dead, the only purpose for her, <laughs> even though her best friend is Naomi Watts, uh huh. Like, who, by the I way, did... plays video games like you would expect someone from NCIS to play video games. How do you Which mean? is I... not like a person who plays video games. Ah, yes. I don't watch NCIS. I, I, I only know because it has some of the... It's old people doing technology stuff sometimes, and it's fun. Ah, gotcha. I, I stopped caring once Polly Claret left. That's fair. Uh, but uh, anyways... um. Oh, by the way, and then uh, he dies. Uh, his mother holds him in Pieta pose, which <laughs> is our first overt clue to the fact that Henry is possibly Jesus, but maybe not... Like, he like, did die for our sins, and he and his most and his brother Peter is his most loyal person <laughs> who, who sings his praises and delivers a book of his teaching. Uh, <laughs> and he's held in Pieta pose, but the and he kind of comes back at the end, theoretically, metaphorically, but the way the film ends. Makes me question if this is really supposed to be a Jesus allegory. It's confusing. We'll get to it. I find that most Jesus allegories fail because they never really understand what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. See, Man of Steel for that. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Anyways, we got we're spending too much time describing this movie and not actually talking about the movie, just the plot. Okay. Um. Naomi, Susan, Naomi Watts, uh, Henry left a book uh, explaining his plan. So many details of which make no sense for Henry to have carried out himself. It requires driving, it requires purchasing a gun, it requires a lot of things that you need an adult for. So, But we never see him revising the plan after he learns he's dying... So I don't know what's happening there. 
I think they're putting more thought into it than the person who wrote it. I guess. Uh, anyways, that so person Susan... being Greg Horowitz. Oh wait, no, that's right, and I can't say that because Greg Horowitz worked on this film for fifteen years. He worked he... on the script for fifteen years. He may have been working on the script for fifteen years, but I doubt he gave it much thought. Yeah, I don't know. I saw his stuff. He, it, I think he thought he was making a magnum opus. Most people he... do. That's fair enough. Um, so regardless though, um, so Susan tries a few other things. None of them work out. So she proceeds to A, um, set up an adoption scheme to get (laughs) Glenn's daughter, whose name I'm forgetting, but it doesn't matter. Christina. But despite being the impetus for the whole plot, she's in maybe five scenes and has maybe that many lines. Uh, which is part of why I feel like this was just Henry wanting to kill a guy. <laughs> um, well, there's even a line uh, Susan has of, we're not going to kill the next door neighbor. <laughs> and then she totally basically almost does. Yes. So Susan tries some reasonable sane things. They don't work. So she decides, yeah, okay, fine, Murder. Murder will work. Uh, I can do this. Uh, And so they rig it. So she carries out the plan. She does all the setup and stuff. And then as she's about to kill him, while um, Christina and Peter are at the school talent show, um, she... um, By the way, has him in the crosshairs. Yeah, she has him in the crosshairs. She's in Henry's tree fort thing, and some wind starts, and she looks around at the pictures and realizes, oh, wait, Henry was a kid. He was smart, but he wasn't, wasn't perfect. I shouldn't kill him. Which, on the one hand, is a rational and reasonable response, but on the other hand... Not only is this remarkably close to murder to have its response, but it completely contradicts the lesson of the entire rest of the movie. <laughs> like, this is what I was talking about with the Jesus allegory, was everything else is that Henry is Jesus, but then right here is like, like, oh wait, no, Henry was just a kid and he was wrong. So, was Henry Jesus or not? <laughs> Well, on top of that, the brother at the talent show is doing a magic act. Yes. And his magic act is, I'm going to resurrect my brother. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, a part of me was like, are they going to reveal that he hasn't been dead this whole time? Or are they actually like, because at this point, Book of Henry has done so much of, you know, screw it, let's just do it, that I'm like, I will not be shocked if they bring the brother back from the dead. And no. instead, ash um, sh- confetti explodes from his wand, and I was like, "Oh!" And I'm like, "That's a metaphor for his ashes. Why are you well, people dancing and laughing in his ashes? Stop!" I mean, not exactly. There was a scene earlier where Henry, to cheer up his brother, built a snowblower, a snow machine, right, and like pretending to be climbing in it, and that's what he's actually using. But, but that's but, meant to be his brother. 
Yes, that's true. It's his ashes. <laughs> like, I, I, and it's, I'm sure that Colin Trevorrow was thinking, it was like, oh, it's his spirit, his innovative <laughs> spirit and his creativity living on. That's his brother. But it, it's his ashes. Um, regardless of that, um, so yeah, um, it starts out schmaltzy. It ends schmaltzy. But in the middle, there's a lot of murder plotting. <laughs> all right. So out of all three of them, Book of Henry is probably the most insane. And also it's the one that didn't make any money. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, Which no. It's sad because it had a budget of $10 million. That's a pretty low budget by today's standard. Uh-huh. Like, and, like, uh, it... I can't really say it deserved to make money. Like, no, of no, the no. three, it probably deserves making money the least. It's, I, there are enough good moments that are good out of context to collateral beauty, and a lot of effort went into those dominoes that <laughs> I can say, okay, fine, fair enough, collateral beauty, you get to make money. Right. I can't really say anything positive about Book of Henry. Um, of the three, I'm a bigger fan of where the heart is. I just really, I like that laid back structure. At the same time, Book of Henry is one of those that's so bad that I'm like, I kind of love it because I just sit there going, I've never seen anything quite so, it's like the room, if the room was well made. Mm-hmm. Like, I can kind of get that. Like I, I agree. Where the heart is, it's the best of the three movies we're talking about today. I just um, I have no real interest in ever watching Book of Envy again. That's I um, it, I don't like Colin Trevorrow. His hatred of women shines bright in Book of Henry. <laughs> oh God, yes. Like possibly brighter than in um. Jurassic World, even. Oh, I was on the one. That, yeah. Like on the one hand, nothing as mean and awful as how he kills Katie McGrath happens. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, um, Bryce Dallas's Howard's character was portrayed as a competent and adult, and uh, none of the women in Book of Henry really are. Nope. And with that, we have to go. Um... It was great talking to you about these three movies. Folks, um, if you're going to see any one of these three, I really recommend you don't see the, the last two. No, <laughs> Unless no. you love insanity and absurdity mixed in. Yeah, you really got to want Book of Henry. <laughs> maybe check out and see if Movie Clips did a YouTube thing for a book for a Collateral Beauty, but definitely don't watch uh, anything from Book of Henry. Right. Where the Heart Is is the only one I would recommend. Um, it's bonkers, but in a sane, nice, even keel way. Yeah, it's a, it's a wholesome bonkers. All right. That's all the time we have. Say goodbye, Molly. Bye. Bye, everyone. See you next time. <laughs>